HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing, taking place on Saturday, June 18th at Nettle Meadow Farm. For more information, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, May 23rd. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find me at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. And I'm your other host, Ben Rosenblatt, back in the studio in my natural habitat. It feels great. I am an actor, a writer, an occasional uh, bartender and front of house guy. You can find me at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33, straight, and single. I'm so excited about the show today. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to be joined by comedy writer and author Kristen Newman. Her memoir, What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding, captures the solo traveling she did largely over the course of her 30s, where she found love, loneliness, and lots of sex. I feel like that's just what life is. Love, loneliness, and hopefully lots of sex. Let's just say heightened love, longing, loneliness, Mm. and lots of sex. It's a a really funny book. I really loved it. It's a great memoir. I'm so excited that she's coming on the show. But um, before then, Ben, let's... uh, We've been separated... By Miles and Jobs for six weeks. Uh, I know, it's been torture. Let's kick off the show. Uh, So last week we had our pre-recorded show with Kim Newman and we talked about like first date impressions and things we wanted to like chill out about and goals we had and things like that. Uh, So why don't we each quickly start the show by sharing like a romantic triumph of the last six weeks. You go first. Okay. Um, So on the show last week, I mentioned how on first dates, I want to like bring out the flirty side of me a little bit and not be so damn serious because I'm a serious person. I don't need to like have that on a first date. 
And so, yeah, last week I went, I met a guy at Booker and Dax, Dave Arnold's bar, uh, another heritage host, and we had a couple drinks, and then we went to a dive bar and made out like I was 25 again. Ooh. It was great. It was like the best making out I've had in a long time. It was wow. Just like, like I what made it so good? Just the time, I don't know, just timing us together. It was just flirty. It was cat, like I, it was, I, there was no expectation of anything. I wasn't trying to get anything serious. It was like the best make. Like I would have slept with a guy that night. It was just really good making out. So that was so that was my triumph of like just being flirty and and not overthinking anything on a first date. Nice. Yeah. What about you? I've had this like sort of like kind of wild, intense romance going on for no, you like <laughs> yes. yes, I have <laughs> um, for the past uh, several weeks now, which is right. you know been fun and so what's the one line uh, biggest triumph of it for you before we get into the deep shit that we're gonna get into? Okay, in, before like, we get seconds. into the deep yeah. shit, like there's it's been just been a lot of great sex. Yay. Actually, it's probably been like arguably the <laughs> the guys in the, the slow claps coming out of the booth for both the guys in the booth they're yeah. like loving it it only um, yeah. took us like two and a half seasons it to might get to be this like point. some of the best sex I've ever had yeah oh yeah yeah oh wow okay that's awesome yeah Yay. I mean it's a huge plus that's a huge plus all right so now let's get to this, the dark side of the awesome do we sex. have to we do so uh. so today uh par- partially because I know what's been going on in Ben's life and partially because. Uh, later, we're going to be speaking with Kristen about you know the big things that sort of came from her explorations. But uh, yeah, let's talk about like patterns and breaking them because I think both of our triumphs largely revolve around us trying to break a pattern that we're in. So, um, what pattern? And so you've been dating this woman for a couple weeks now, uh, like a month. A now? month yeah. now. Yeah, but it was like intense because we were spending a lot of time together over an extended period of time. Right. So. Like, you went very fast, very quickly because of the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. So, now that you're home, what pattern are you trying to break out of? Um, I'm trying to break out of the pattern of running away from things that feel like they're starting to get more committed or more serious or more um, risky. Emotionally, why, you, why? When? When did you start feeling that instinct to to run away from this woman? Fairly early on. Oh, really? Actually, um, because I saw it coming. I saw like so. You, you know, so we it was were in inevitable this... to you that you were going to get there. Yeah, I think so. Because because I sensed that she was really into me, and that like if I wanted this to become more serious, it could. And uh-huh. if I want it to become more serious, it can. Did you it want can. it to become more serious? Yes. Yes, I think so. Like, I'm continuing to see her, and I I think I'm looking for that in my life. Um, but as that develops, I've got a whole bunch of, like, defense mechanisms flying up in my face and in my mind and in my body. Um, and I experience a lot of anxiety around it and all sorts of stuff like that, which kind of, like has been my MO for a long time. And typically, by this point of feeling all of that stuff, I would be, like, out the door by now. So what's holding you back from running out that door right now? Well, my desire to break this pattern and my understanding that from what I've been learning about myself and about um, relationships in general over the past several years since my last serious relationship um, is that, like engaging in the pattern that I was in isn't getting me what I want and I've been really part of the pattern is that I've been following trying to follow my feelings and using my feelings as a guide for um, what is going to be a good 
relationship or what I should invest in emotionally. If I feel really intensely about someone, that would be my key to like, yes, this person, I should try to make this happen. And, but I found that I was really only able to have those intense feelings over a long period of time when someone was else was running away from me. Ah. And so when someone would be more present with me and like really be emotionally available to me, then I wouldn't necessarily be able to be emotionally available to them. And so I'm trying to So how, do that. what actively are you doing right now to, to fight this, this instinct in you? Um, have you talked to her about the, the basis of this fear that you're even going through I have through talked it? to her about it a bunch. Um, and it's something that I think scares her a little. Um, and something that she's like not totally certain of exactly what it means. And neither am I. I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show about like, how do you know when it's just a defense mechanism right. or when like, it's the healthier choice. Yeah. Right. Like how, there's no well, real so, so answer. Tell, to... so, so tell me why, like having, having nothing to do with the, aside from your fear and your instinct, what about this woman makes you want to, to fight that instinct. Well, as like, I mentioned, like the sex is great, which is a total positive okay, and a perk. Um, she's also like really a good person. Like, and she makes me laugh like crazy, which is awesome. Um, and she's like good for me. And I feel like, like I said, I feel like she likes me a lot and I feel like I can trust her. Mm. Um, and can you trust yourself. That's the fear I have. I mean that's part of my yeah, fear. Yeah, because we've talked we've talked about on the show before, especially with your your episode with um, with what's her name Vienna uh, with Vienna Farron. I can remember her first name for a second. Sorry, with Vienna about how you you you're really afraid of hurting someone. Yes, that's I mean that's a huge fear. All right. That is the fear I think. Um, and so my pro- I guess the problem is that I that fear exists here. So how do you feel about yourself now that you're facing it? Does it feel empowering? Does it, you mentioned anxiety before, like because you can recognize that you have this habit and you don't, when you want to break it, like how, how does knowing that you're doing that actively, how does that make you feel right now? I mean, on one hand it is very empowering and I'm proud of myself for actually staying in it, continuing to stay in it and continuing to like pursue what I feel like is maybe best for me in spite of the fact that it doesn't, feel 100% like certain all the time um, and so yeah it is empowering but at the same time with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and I feel re- very responsible for her feelings and that scares me a bit. well you can't be responsible for somebody else's feelings you can I mean we can we can project what other people are gonna feel like what we expect them to feel but really we're we're responsible for our own feelings like all we're you know all you can do is be honest about where you are, which you have been with her. Absolutely. And are you still enjoying your time together? I am very much. Yeah. Like, cause if you weren't like, as going to the whole, like, Oh, is it the right decision? Or am I fighting a habit just because it's a habit? Like if you're enjoying your time together, if the sex is still great, if you can be having these conversations with her and she's not running away and you can still have a good time together, then I think that's saying a lot about how right now this is probably the right thing for you to be facing. Yeah. And it's a challenge, which I'm welcoming and which is, you know, been, been, um, that I'm facing and that I feel good to be facing and I'm filled with fear and anxiety or, around it, but I'm also filled with like, you know, that there's potentially a new path that I could be on that I don't feel like I would have been able to be on however many years ago or however many months ago. Even. What do you feel like you're going to need in order to not feel anxiety around be just dating her. I think I need to actually just allow myself to experience the anxiety and allow it to 
subside naturally. Um, I think anxiety, I mean, in my experience with anxiety in general, I have a lot of experience with anxiety um, and I've learned, uh, actually I did some behavioral therapy years ago for an anxiety issue I was dealing with. And um, one of the major things I learned is that anxiety if you, the more you run from the anxiety, the more power the anxiety has. And the more you just face the anxiety and allow it to be there and allow it, then it will naturally pass. And right. so that's what I'm hoping will occur. Um, but I have spent so many years running from anxiety about this very thing that it's, you know, it's pretty intense. It's intense to face. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I hope, I hope that there's comfort, though, in that... It, I mean, you could keep on dating for a very long time. It could end for a completely different... Like, it doesn't... There's no guarantee that something's going to work or not work totally. anyway. So you might as well try to change the pattern, right? Totally. Like, and they're like, you know, I've also been living with this pattern for so long that like, what's one time around of like trying to go it a different way, right. you know? And if it works great, then awesome. And it's a great success. If not, then like, I can always go back to my old pattern if I want to, or, or I can try, try again. again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, good, good luck. Well, we're going to check in on that. Um, my breaking out of a pattern, it really just began and ended with making out with a guy in the bar. So I don't have anything much much more to offer to um, a, that. A great makeout, though. A great so. makeout. Whatever sex the next time when we had. But a great makeout. Wait, that huh? was the, it was just, we went, it would, you know. Okay, we'll come back to this next week. No, we don't maybe. need to. But let's just say I broke out of a pattern. <laughs> it worked. And I get to move on from it because it's not lingering in my face right now. Good. Um, but yeah, but good luck to you, Benny. We're definitely going to check in on this uh, another time. Good. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'd like to ask you first to uh, send us some questions. Send us some questions uh, to lovebitesradio at gmail.com and we'll uh, yeah, tackle Benny them on the air. had a great idea that we're going to start a video answering thing. So we need, you know, what we're just going to sit on video and answer and talk about your questions. And if you want to send yeah. us a video of your question, your <gasps> face can be on the, so uh, the Love Bites Radio webcam. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Ask us questions about love since we're obviously experts now. Absolutely. And hit us up on Twitter. Review us on iTunes. You can tell that was totally sarcastic. All of that stuff really does help. Uh, we will be back very shortly with Kristen Newman. Nettle Meadow Farm Cheese and Spirits Pairing is a celebration of good food and beverages in the newly restored barn loft event venue at Nettle Meadow Farm in Thurman, New York. On Saturday, June 18th, come sample and savor, then buy your favorite cheeses and beverages to take home. Nettle Meadow cheeses have been praised highly in national media and have won prestigious awards from the American Cheese Society. Taste samples of goat and sheep cheeses paired with an array of local regional wines, beers, and ciders. You'll never forget your first sample of rich, creamy Kunick, Nettle Meadows' trademark cheese. In Esquire, our very own Anne Saxelby said, Kunick, it may very well be the sexiest cheese in the USA. Nettle Meadow Farm is a goat and sheep dairy and cheese company in Thurman, New York, just below Crane Mountain in the Adirondacks between Gore Mountain, North Creek, and Warrensburg. It's owned and operated by Lorraine Limbiase and Sheila Flanagan. Both have a great love of animals, artisan cheese, and the unique challenges of farm life. 
Nettle Meadow Farm was originally founded in 1990, and it's the home of over 300 goats, dozens of sheep, and a variety of farm sanctuary animals. Again, the Cheese and Spirits pairing is Saturday, June 18th. For more information and tickets, visit NettleMeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. That's N-E-T-T-L-E, MeadowCheeseAndSpirits.com. Kristen Newman has written for television network comedies for almost 20 years on shows like How I Met Your Mother, That 70s Show, Chuck, The Neighbors, Gallivant, and The Real O'Neills. And she's currently the showrunner for ABC's The Muppets. Kristen is also the author of the memoir What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding, where she documents stories of the solo travels that took her all around the world and into the beds of men schwarmy and sexy and sultry and all. It's a very funny and invigorating read, and I highly suggest you grab it at theotherkristennewman.com. Hi, Kristen. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Hello. Thank you for having me. I loved your book, which I have told people about profusely. Um, I think it's Aww. a great read for people, for single people and coupled people alike. Like you travel all over the world for it. So many stories, both vulnerable and triumphant, come from it. So um, let's start just about how people can push past fear to take the leap into solo traveling? Like, what was the most challenging and then rewarding turning point for you that might inspire people to embrace the fear of traveling alone and just try it? Well, I mean, there's, there's kind of dramatic ones and there's, and there's small ones. But, like, the, sm- the, the, the small one was just the very first time I... I mean, I'd been in cities for a couple of days by myself before, you know, in, in the middle of trips with other people. But the first time I really got on a plane by myself... Um, was when I went to Argentina for the first time, and uh, I just had two months off from work, and I got an apartment in Buenos Aires, and I took five days a week of Spanish and three days a week of tango, and I got a cell phone, and I tried to pretend I was going to live there. And I went terrified, terrified that it would be disappointing, terrified that I was going to be in South America alone, not knowing anybody. Um, And my very first day I got in, it was just like a series of like trying to do basic things that were difficult. I didn't speak Spanish. When you go to the ATM, you know, you only get large bills, and nobody in Argentina will ever take a large bill. It's like this constant mm. battle, like where you have a stare down. We're like, do you have anything smaller? And you say no because you're trying to get them to break your big thing because nobody will take anything big. And by big, I mean like $20 worth, by the way. Um, and uh, and you stare them down. But anyway, so I didn't know this yet. So I'm trying to buy things at the grocery store, and they're not, they don't want my big bills. And you have to put a sticker on your vegetables, like back in the air section where you get the vegetables. And I didn't know that. And everyone's mad and in line behind me. And so I just kind of went home and like made myself food and didn't know if I was in a safe or a, or a scary neighborhood. And was it safe to go out at night by myself? And what am I doing here? Um, but then the morning came. And it was Sunday, and there's this antiques fair every Sunday in San Telmo, this neighborhood in Buenos Aires, and I read about it, and I went there, and it was sunny, and there was tango in the streets, and I sat on a cafe and looked up at windows where handsome men were kind of sitting one foot in, one foot out of the window and watching the music, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, okay, I can do this, and it's safe, and it's wonderful, and everything's okay, and that was the kind of turning point. And then after that, I wasn't really scared again. Like everything has been okay ever since. And what was the most empowering thing about like making it through that moment? Like what made it worth it down the line to sort of face that fear and go through with it? 
well, just the rest of the trip and what I came home with, which was this this understanding that I could get on a plane by myself, go someplace where I knew nobody, end up with a you know million new friends and a new, you know couple of new Argentine lovers and yeah. a little more Spanish and a little more tango, and that that I could find this kind of other side of myself that was a little softer and slower than the than the million miles an hour you know comedy writer room version of me that always had to exist um, here that has to, you know, kind of tear each other apart for sport, and it's just all very fast and furious and a little bit mean sometimes. And so just going someplace that's sort of soft and slow and sexy and that I, understanding that I could do it and be safe, that I have, you know, a spidey sense that keeps me from walking down that wrong alley or getting into the wrong car, apparently. And you don't know that you have that spidey sense really till you go out and 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 do it and have a good experience, you know. And really, it was just so empowering when I came home. It changed how I felt about myself completely, you know, in my early 30s. That is awesome. Um, so your book is totally wrapped in humor, and it's hilarious. I'm curious, like, aside from these great empowering moments, were there any, like, vulnerable, lonely, low moments that people can relate to? And what did you learn about vulnerability from writing the book? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I'm picturing right now, I went to New Zealand after a big work heartbreak. I wrote a show about my family after my foot had gotten run over by a car in the Dominican Republic, and I, it was during the writer's strikes. I couldn't pick it, and I couldn't travel, so I just wrote. And after the strike was over, somehow, amazingly, ABC made the show and got picked up, and it was going to be amazing, and then it all just imploded the way that mostly shows do in Hollywood. Mm. Um, but it was heartbreaking because it was so personal. Um, and so I ran away to New Zealand for what I thought was going to be three weeks, but then I stayed for six because it was so lovely and so many people took me in and I didn't, I, you know, I knew one person, but then by, you know, he called a friend and then they called a friend and Kiwis are the most hospitable in the world and just take you in and introduce you around. Um, but New Zealand was just like not meant to be in terms of men. Like when I got on the plane, I read for, you know, with my little glass of wine and I, you know, I bought the plane ticket the day that the show imploded and I left three days later. So I had no plans. So I'm reading my guidebook and the first thing I read is that there is a man shortage in New Zealand. <laughs> Literally, like, there's no jobs there, so men go on walkabout for, like, a couple of years, and then they meet women in other countries, and they stay there, and they never come back. So they're having, like, in the what? newspapers in Auckland, they were having problems where the bouncers at the end of the night were having to break up girl fights more often than guy <laughs> fights. Wow. Because girls were literally tearing each other's hair out just to find a man to go home with at the end of the night. So that proved to be a, you know, a problem for a girl trying to blow off steam. Um, and so there were really like, lots of frustrating. All the men had girlfriends. They called them partners, which at first I thought everybody was, ah, oh, they're so like, you know, open about you know, um, gay relationships. Like, it's really wonderful that this like, huge Maori guy is talking about his friend's partner. Um, it seems like he wouldn't be quite so open about a gay relationship. But then they just say partner. It doesn't mean gay after all. Um, but anyway, so I, I stayed a long time and loved it, but there was a few-day period where I was by myself, and I drove to, like, the end of the road in this little town on the north side of the South Island, and it was just kind of deserted and raining, and I found this hotel that felt like a kind of Old West hotel. It had, like, a restaurant downstairs, like, saloony feel, and then rooms upstairs, and I got in, a, like, late on a rainy night, and the you know guy downstairs brings me upstairs, and he's got all the doors open of the ho of the rooms, and it's 
just rooms on their own, and then you all share one bathroom at the end of the hallway. So you're in this long hallway of you can see empty rooms because all the doors are open, so I get to choose my own. But there's no one else there. And so then he's like, okay, I'm going to lock up and leave. And I'm just in this big, empty, scary, haunted hotel Uh. by myself at the end of the road in the dark rain. But so it's lonesome. But that's really as bad as it got. Nothing bad has ever happened to me traveling, knock on wood. Well, um, the flip side of the, I uh, see, I, as a woman, I get creeped out. And I, don't, I don't get creeped out a lot when I'm alone, but there is always that doubt in my mind of like, did I do the right thing by coming here to like the middle of nowhere by myself where nobody really knows that I'm here right now? And yeah, you get like a little pang of, oh, I just wish there was somebody else here with me. So let's jump to the men part because you unabashedly talk about the men that you sleep with around the world. And it's one of the most fun things, obviously, for people to get to read <laughs> about the book. So what did you, and, and they're not all like happy fairy tales. It's not like, you know, some of the guys who are sort of through lines are these up and down romantic relationships where there is longing and there is there are there is loss and there are like, is this going to happen or not? So what have you what did you learn about yourself in romantic relationships from all of these different types of experiences you had over basically the course of a decade? Well, the big thing that I learned is that, you know, I I, I kept sort of not settling down because of a lot of reasons. I didn't want to lose the freedom and adventure, especially after I got into Argentina that first time. And I was like, oh, my God, if I get a boyfriend, I had a boyfriend the next year when my when my time off from work, you know, I work on TV shows, so I get springs off. My time off was coming back, and I was like, I don't want to have to take anybody with me anywhere. Like, that, 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 I need to do that more. And so that became such an addiction um, that I avoided people for that reason. But then also I always said that there wasn't a perfect person out there that I was waiting for, but a perfect feeling. Um, this, like this kind of 100% signed, sealed, delivered, no, you know, no questioning at all sort of feeling deep inside of me. Um, that I wanted to have. And really, when I looked at that feeling eventually, I realized that what I really wanted was to feel like a different person. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted somebody who would mm-hmm. change the way it felt to be me. <laughs> and it was only after, you know, a volume of people came through my life, and nobody could make that me feel that way unless they for sure were going to be gone from my life in, like, a week or less because I had a plane ticket that had to take me away from them. Um, we were just talking about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy. Like, then you yeah. throw yourself yeah. in. It feels good. It's a drug, and you go home, and there's no worry. There's no anything of that. But, like, once I realized that, like, what I really wanted was someone to make me feel something that I actually don't have the capacity to feel, which is completely calm and sure, <laughs> just, like, like, I'm not great at math, and I'm not feeling good at feeling completely calm and sure. And what, it took a lot of people and years for me to understand that I wanted someone to fundamentally change who I was and that that wasn't ever going to happen. And I had to just kind of come to peace with what it is to be in my own body and experience the world the way I experience it and, like, ride out the anxious, ambivalent moments because I'm going to have them with everybody because I'm just – that's how I'm built, you know? Yeah, we're just nodding our heads. We, yeah, because yeah. like okay. I, I yeah. feel like I'm on a similar journey as yeah. uh, you were on. That's yeah. really funny that you talk about that. But it, yeah, I think that marriages are happy not because um, of a particular like match, but because two people who are good at being married find each other. Like I think that's why it happens. Like I think you're just built for this like calm, monogamous. Yes, this is easy, and I'm not gonna like pick at it. Or you're not, and if you get two of those people, then they have a happy marriage. Can you I know? can I ask how you got to being at a place where you felt like you would be good at marriage? 
slow, too. I mean, I'm married now, um, but we took it super slowly, too. My husband had two, has two kids, and he was in the middle of a divorce when I met him. And so he, you know, had the kids every other week. So I would only see him every other week, which was great, because just about the time that I would panic that I was dating somebody with two kids, he would disappear for a week. Ah. And then I could calm down and have my regular life and then miss him. And then he'd come back around, and then I'd start to freak out again, and then he'd go away for a week. I I really (laughs) think that slow pace was the only reason that I ever ended up married to him. Um, and, uh, and then ultimately actually seeing him as a father really made me fall completely, you know, and that was several months in. We took that slow, too. Um, so I guess it was just feeling like I had sort of checked off the other thing, you know, that, I, that made me feel like I wanted to be married. Like, I just felt like there, it was actually in New Zealand that I was, like, on a beautiful beach, you know, under a beautiful glacier, you know, having met a million awesome people. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I've done this a lot. You know, I feel I'm so lucky that I feel that I've been on a lot of beautiful beaches under a lot of beautiful glaciers with a lot of wonderful people, you know, and and it just sort of felt done. And and as somebody who's like a new experience junkie, marriage started to feel like a new experience, you know, that I wanted to have and and family and and uh, and all of that. And it, it just it just got tiring a little bit. I got a little bit tired, I think. So how has traveling changed since you got married? Like you sort of, spoiler alert to readers, you like cap the book with, you know, now we're traveling together to some place we've never gone. And then, you know, you told me that you still travel solo. Uh, So how has traveling the world, which is something you had sort of considered yourself a professional at in a way that everybody, all of the people in your life knew you as the single woman who travels solo. How has that changed since you've been coupled up? Or is well, it still as obviously, fulfilling? I have way fewer sexy stories to come home with, <laughs> and that is very Hopefully. depressing for everyone. I feel Aww. like a much worse conversationalist. Um, and married people are just inherently more boring to talk to than single people. So I feel more boring, and that is very hard for me and my personality, my sense of self. <laughs> um, uh, I do. I travel with my husband. I travel with him and the kids. I travel alone still. I just. I'm pregnant. I'm newly pregnant, and oh, I just. Congratulations. Hey, congrats! I just got on. A, I got on a plane the afternoon of my positive pregnancy test by myself and went to Chile for two weeks. <laughs> and and okay, you don't have a boring life. She likes salsa dancing <laughs> and, and Patagonia hiking. So she because she made it back from that. So. Um, so that was an experience to travel alone, pregnant, and married. <laughs> um, uh, but it's different, obviously. But the, the sexiness goes away, and the nightlife, the nightlife gets a little bit earlier for the most part. Um, and going to Twist Salsa Club sober because you're pregnant is very hard to figure out how to do. I don't know how to dance <laughs> sober. It's really hard. Um, Doing many things while you're traveling sober, I think, is very hard. I feel like alcohol is one of the things that gets you through those scary points into the fun parts of things. Honestly, I mean, I'm just finishing up a bunch of vacation time, and I have a friend who lives in Spain, and I had been talking about going to stay with him and visit. But I'm like, what do I even do in Spain without wine? I don't even know. I don't even know how to do it. It seems impossible. It seems like a bit, like not even worth the trip. I didn't even go. <laughs> <laughs> seems too silly. Um, but uh, yeah, there was it was it was fun to travel pregnant, and I and we were laughing because I've heard that dolphins like. Dolphins circle pregnant people. I, I, I was I was swimming with dolphins in the ocean once, and the guide who took us out there um, was talking about how the dolphins had been like staying really close to this woman, and he asked if she was pregnant. She said no, but then a couple of days later, she called and said, "I took a pregnancy test because of that," and it oh. turned out I am. Like the dolphins knew Magic before dolphins. she did, and uh, and I really was popular at the salsa club. So I feel oh. we, were, we were thinking that maybe the, the Chilean salsa dancers were very were sort of similar <laughs> to the dolphins. Like they could just <laughs> smell my six weeks of pregnancy. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
one of my favorite takeaways that even in like last weekend I was traveling by myself for work and one of the things that I sort of took away that I love that I think other people are going to love too is the idea that you talk about about doing the thing you're supposed to do in the place that you are supposed to do it. So can you describe that and how did that sort of like serve you best in a way that again might get people to be like, oh yeah, that's a great philosophy that I want to just sort of pick up the mantle for it and, and employ in my own life. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know why this has always happened, but I really, I get these images, you know, these sort of, I guess I'm a writer and you, 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 you know, imagine perfect little scenes. So I'll get these perfect little scenes in my head from whatever the places that you're supposed to go, you know, like smoking cigarettes. You don't smoke in a cafe in Paris while you drink a perfect espresso or, you know, having a big stein of beer in a, you know, beer garden in Munich or, um, or, you know, doing extreme sports in New Zealand, whatever it is, these perfect moments, um, that I picture. And, and sometimes it's a hassle to travel with me as a result because I, like, I was in Iceland with my friend and we were driving, you know, in the middle of nowhere, which is all Iceland is, um, and kind of wanting to stop and have, we were picturing sort of, you know, something warm and something sweet and, you know, we were kind of in these, they looked very like industrial kind of, um, marine type towns. Um, and she was like wanting to stop. And I'm like, I just picture, like, I want to have someplace warm with like, with like lace curtains and like say, yeah, somebody's grandma made some chocolate cake and some hot cocoa. Like I just picture it. And she's like, did you read about this somewhere around here? And I'm like, no, I just picture it. And she was grumpy and wanted to stop. And I'm like, I just think we can do better. And we, uh, I swear to God, like lace curtains, found a little cottage right on the water, and there was like chocolate cake with a little glass dome. I mean, it was exactly that little grandma's house that I pictured. And she was like, you did it. You, you, you imagined it up. And that happens all the time. It happens all the time. And uh, it creates this, two things. One is that it makes a lot of magic happen, but another thing is that it creates a lot of massive disappointment when life doesn't turn exactly <laughs> how you want it. So mm-hmm. it is a double-edged sword. Uh, but um, but it's it's been my kind of pushing philosophy, and uh, and it's I have a pretty good life. I think as a result, maybe I think I'm a good visualizer. Awesome. Well, at the beginning of the show. Jacqueline and I shared some romantic wins for the last six weeks because she and I hadn't seen each other in so long. Mm-hmm. So we have we've got to ask you what was like the most exciting or best thing romantically that's happened for you in the last six weeks. I mean, I'm married and pregnant, so exciting is not necessarily the way it's going to go. Oh, come uh, on, help us like but single did, people think that there there is excitement on the other side, you know? Yeah, or, yeah, like surprise, like romantic surprises when you're married tend to be negative surprises, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But, uh, but I did just have my second anniversary, and I I had gone by myself up to this hippie place called Esalen in Big Sur, which is if you watch the end of Mad Men, that's where he like went and got his group back and and and, then, and figured out the coca-cola ad um anyway i went there and was spending a few days by myself in this beautiful spot and then i went up and met my husband in portland where he's been working and we got a long weekend to kind of have a belated anniversary celebration and we went hiking up to a waterfall and we had a gorgeous dinner with fancy delicious portland food and Portland donuts and just kind of got to have just the two of us in a hotel for a weekend and Yay. it was very right. lovely and romantical. I Good. enjoyed it. I'm a believer. I'm a I'm believer. A believer. 
beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kristen. Your your book is so much fun. Uh, readers, listeners, definitely pick it up because there are things that we did not get to, including the fact that Kristen got her foot degloved when Will Forte drove over it with a car. And yeah, that sucked. Yeah, that's, and it's, it's so painfully described where literally the skin comes off of her heel uh. and she spends New Year's Eve being... Well, I mean, carried around by handsome men, so that's the fun part yeah. of it. Yeah, and then, like, you puked on your skydiving instructor. Um, yeah. You broke things around the world. So there's those stories which are really fun. <laughs> and then there are, you know, there are these beautiful, vulnerable stories that, you know, of of just growing up in your 30s through these travels. So I highly suggest that you guys, you guys grab it. And I want to thank you for being a great guest today because you really offered some insight into your life that I think helped me understand myself a little better yeah. which was just really cool and i appreciate it that's what this, i'm so that's glad what this book good luck did. to both of you and thank you so much for um for reading the book oh i'm gonna give it to ben now too because it definitely uh, just gave me a little bit of verve for facing some adventure in life so we're so happy right. to have you on thank you so much Kristen. and thank you. Uh, listeners go visit Kristen at the other com um and find this book so that is our show for today welcome back benny thank you I'm, it's good to be I'm, back so my heart is like flying that you're back but next week we're not here because it's Memorial Day, so you know we're coming and going. But uh, so yeah, we're off next week, but we'll be back on June sixth, and we've got returning guest Ariane Resnick. You might remember her from Our Ladies Who Lime show last season. She touched on in her phone interview that she teaches intuitive eating. So we're having her back for the third installment of Our Bodies Ourselves series, and we're going to ask her basically how that works, how she guides people to listening to their bodies for maximum healing and health through food. Um, So yeah, have an awesome holiday weekend, everyone, and come back on June sixth for that. Until then, thanks to our engineer. Our, lo- our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. We'll be back in a few weeks here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Later. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.